Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. We're going to be talking about AI manners today. So the etiquette of artificial intelligence, Chase. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I just, I had to cough. Okay. Yeah, well, for starters, etiquette, cover your mouth when you cough. Yes. And don't interrupt when someone else is speaking. I'm, I'm covering my mouth right now. All right. I think we're adequately teed up. Let's jump into it. So there's a lot of how do I use it, but some people aren't really thinking about the best use or especially in the context of work, right? So it's one thing to kind of go out on chat GPT and type in, make me a meal plan. But if you are in a role where you're interacting with or touching customer data, right? Like you don't want to be go, going and pumping in your an export from your CRM database out into a chat GPT window, right? Right. Like it's probably not the... I mean, I just don't see a ton of use cases where you're typing in or pasting in people's social security numbers, right? Now, you might do it on accident. Like, that's unintentional. Anything that can be used for good can be used for bad, yeah, right? That's, so that's there's that. Point. Yeah. I mean, you start to wonder, of course, you know, what what are those areas where I should be worried, you know? And it's probably mostly aligned with a lot of the uh, current day... Uh, nomenclature right around um, what Europe's doing as far as privacy rules and things like that. You know, if those are things you would be concerned about without AI involved, then that doesn't necessarily change the way you should interact with AI. That's a great point. Yeah. We don't go out handing out, you know, all of the information about our customers. So I probably wouldn't do that with AI. One of the things that comes to mind for me is, well, there's two, bias and then the, the hallucination. Right. Yeah. So I think we should talk about those because that's where I think some of these companies that are coming out with AI ethics or principles, if you will, AI, you know, here's our use policy at the company. Those are some of the things that are top of mind for me. You first have to think about, of course, what kind of data do you have? Is it something you should even be worried about? And I think for the most part, if you're in business and you're not worried about liability, then uh, maybe you're in the wrong business or you uh, need you need like a chief compliance officer, right? Um, but as as far as privacy and policies and things you need to be thinking about, right? Those are those are things that again take out the AI piece and look at the data to determine what should we you know be concerned about. Maybe this even goes for your CRM, right? Like if you need to cover up sensitive info that maybe your internal people shouldn't be seeing, then you should really start taking a look into and being concerned and generating policies that uh, ensure that your staff are aware of what they should and should not do. Um, you see a lot of this in the CRM world and in the ERP space, right? People want to keep track of you know social security numbers, credit card numbers, all of these things that effectively identify somebody in some form or fashion is something that maybe you should include in those policies. Sure. So that that's utilizing your own database, your own data. But again, let's let's go out to ChatGPT and type in some prompts and then I'm going to go use what the answer that it gives me and I'm going to go yeah. use that for doing my day job, right? right? Aren't there some guidelines that we should be exercising around, you know, hey, always have some editorial you, you oh, go yeah. type up an email and you shoot it out to a customer without Naturally. doing any kind of review. Right. You could be putting your company in a bad spot. Oh, for sure. You, you do, um, like you mentioned, have to worry about hallucinations. 
you do have to worry about when you are relying on it to provide you factual statements, right? I'm thinking about that guy that, you know, pulled up cases, uh, case law, and he's referring to these cases. Or the, the professor uh, in down south in Houston, or it was in the Texas A&M University of Commerce, right? He failed his entire class because he relied on ChatGPT saying that all of his work, all of the students' work was plagiarized. You know, when you put that level of um, discernment on the, the AI, you're naturally going to run into issues. So I would first start off by saying the data or the things that you're typing into these large language models or you're expecting them to do, you should almost act like, and I, I think I said this on a previous episode, like it's an intern. Like they're going to do some pretty weird, stupid, you know, potentially unethical uh, things. But they're not necessarily going to do it because it's they're, they're designed to do it like that, right? The hallucinations are simply things where it it's just predict, predicting what it thinks is next the next best thing to say. Well, I can try to predict the lottery numbers, but I'm still going to be wrong. Um, in terms of what what people are typing in and things that you should be worried about, it's more about necessarily like copying, pasting uh, data in. That's one area you should be worrying about. And then relying on that, on what it spits out, right? It can hallucinate answers to math questions. Um, so if you can land somewhere in between, right, and, and not necessarily wholly rely on it for factual statements, but potentially just have it write an email that you revise multiple times, like that's going to be a sweet spot for ethical, you know, concerns from a business standpoint. Can you... Do some of the tools, let's say the paid version of the tools, does that help mitigate some of the risk? In, at least as it relates to OpenAI, um, 3.5 does tend to hallucinate more than 4.0. And these are all things that they've said in their blogs and their press releases and things that I've seen on my end when I'm typing you know, the same exact question between models. It does respond differently. Um, and in the back end, if you're doing any kind of developer work, you do have the ability to kind of uh, try to limit the hallucinations. And there are actually methods in the way that you ask questions programmatically to reduce that hallucination rate. Um, and let's remind for those listening, hallucination, what's your quick one sentence def definition if yeah. they don't know? Well, I'm going to go back to the lottery statement. Like, Mel, the numbers for Powerball tomorrow are, you know, the five numbers or six numbers or whatever it is. Sure. Well, nobody can predict what the numbers are going to be. So that would be something that it would be called a hallucination, right? It's telling you that the five numbers and you're going to win tomorrow are these. Because well, it's designed to give you an answer. Yeah. It wants to give you an answer with high confidence unless it says... You know. Yeah. Well, I'm a bot. I can't answer that. I've the, seen that a few times. <laughs> the hallucination is is it's simply mimicking what we do in real life, and we talked about this on another episode, right? It's it's confidently answering your question, predicting what it thinks the next the answer is, not necessarily knowing that it's wrong. It's just thinking like, well, the first number is eleven, right? It has no idea. It's just predicting, and it's seeing in the things that it's learned from that. Hey, well, in a couple of places here, the Powerball results, you know, I'm sure it picked that up through gathering all the data on the internet. It sees that number 11 pops up in some of the results. Well, I'm going to use number 11. Mel, the first ball is 11, right? Right. And it confidently says that. But you know, 
you if you took the time right to to look at that and know the context of the question that you're asking you would know that it's wrong so there's all as with all of these things there's a spectrum there's harmless and very harmful mm. and one harmless example of hallucination that i've seen in the last week using open ai so i've been pumping in some transcripts trying to get some language to put on the front end for some recruiting emails and if anyone knows anything about Venn Technology, we have a beloved Yeti mascot. Um, if you don't know, go out to our website, venntechnology.com. He's adorable. So Bjorn is our mascot. At some point in these various transcripts that I've been uploading, some blogs, again, trying to kind of put together some language based on our existing data, in three different spots within the same, like I'm working in the OpenAI playground, and I'm asking it to tell me, like, summarize this thing. In three different spots, OpenAI said that Bjorn was a different person or thing. So in the first version, Bjorn was the chief executive officer of Venn Technology. <laughs> nice. Okay. In the second version, Bjorn was the office dog. Oh. The office pet. Okay. Yeah. And in the third version, I think he may have actually been another, like a team member contributor, but it. It, it was just interesting how worst, and I didn't correct it ever. I wasn't right. like, hey, Bjorn's not a dog. Right. Bjorn's our mascot. Actually, I did. I do think by the fourth iteration, yeah. I did. It was slightly entertaining just to see what it would come back with each time. But why from version to version, even though I didn't ask it to change Bjorn, I was asking it to, hey, make it more conversational or witty. Why did it all of a sudden decide that Bjorn was no longer the CEO and he was the office dog? <laughs> like those are just like, that's a harmless example yeah. of what it can do. So again, if you're not, you start to think about some of the more um, personal identifiable information or customer information, things that actually could potentially cost the business loss in revenues, like that's that's where my head goes. Yeah, well, you go uh, you you go back to this intern idea, right? The intern just stepped in today, and he doesn't know, or she doesn't know really who you know Bjorn is. And if you said, "I need a statement right now, give it to me," well, that person's going to say, "Well, I don't know." But Bjorn sounds important. <laughs> Let's go with CTO. Like you, <laughs> you are forcing me to type something right now. Sure. Um, I think where it tries to iterate or just give you a different answer every time is dependent on the prompt that you are giving it. And in some cases, I think it is playfully just switching out, you know, what it doesn't know with something else. And that goes back to the, the idea of this kind of one shot um, mentality where within one prompt, right, you ask it a question and you expect it to return the correct answer. What tends to work a whole lot better is where you do this iterative approach and you start to weed out some of the, I'll call ethical concerns, right? You can ask, hey, where did you get that information from? And Bard does this pretty well and it actually will refer to the website where it found the information. ChatGPT doesn't do that yet. There are some plugins that it can quote unquote connect to the internet. Um, but you do have to be careful, right? Like if you don't know the answer and you're expecting the AI to give you the answer and you don't have any way to check it, 
well, you've got a problem, right? Right. So you probably shouldn't ask it, you know, like theoretical physics questions, right? Or how quantum computing works. You probably should ask it about things that you already know or you're already an expert in. So you can be the one that verifies them. Or maybe you have a team that can verify them. It's like the example of the CFO that used it to verify some gap compliance Mm -hmm. or something, right? Like he, he's absolute, that's his domain, right? right? But you start thinking about how many of those rules and uh, number of like compliance things that you have to keep up with in that role. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like that gut check. Right. I know it. I know I could go find it. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's a great example as a... A leader in our business, Mel, if you won the lottery, we'd be poop up a creek. And what I would first do, you know, is like, okay, uh, ChatGBT, you know, what is a great marketing plan for uh, an ERP integration? And it's going to spit something out, right? And I'm not the best marketer, you know, but I'm going to take it at face value and be like, Sounds like you've done this before. Oh, maybe we should do that. You You have a backup plan for me. (laughs) I'm just waiting because you're so awesome. When this when this you, podcast blows, blows up, and up. I'm just yeah. Yeah, but then we'll both go, you know. Um <laughs> but those are some of the things that you you probably should be thinking about. You know, like from an ethical perspective, I'm asking this new tool, right? I'm asking this intern to provide me questions that I'm potentially gonna make uh really big decisions off of. That's like literally the intern walking in the door and being like, Hey, here's the reins to my business. What should we do? Um, so if you can avoid that, that would probably be good. You don't want your business to run into the ground. Let's move on to headlines. So, um, Samsung bans staff's AI use after spotting chat GPT data leak. Let's talk about that high level summary. What happened? Yeah. These guys are using, I mean, and and this is probably not just Samsung, right? People across the globe are utilizing ChatGPT to paste in data, right, to collect insights, to ask it questions. And so it's super easy just to paste something in. Well, you could and paste a CSV file, right? Grab some data out of Salesforce or from NetSuite or Intact or, you know, whatever platform and boom, you don't even know it, but you just paste it in some social security numbers, right? Or onto some external server or database somewhere. And boom, it's out there. And you can't delete it. And you can't delete. It's already gone. The moment that you press enter, there's no deleting. Right. So you have to be careful about these things because this is what ended up happening, right? Samsung staff, they went in, they pasted something in that was not good. Um, I think I've seen a couple of cases where people were pasting in proprietary code and now that's been transferred over. You know, it's like an instantaneous, hey, here's, here's the keys to the kingdom, right? And the moment that you press enter, it's it's over. So they ended up banning ChatGPT, and now supposedly Samsung staff can't access it anymore. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, you know, we we have spent some time with our lawyers to determine what you know based on the policy that's posted all over the website. What are they what are they doing with the data? And we don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing. But they do specifically say that we will take that data and we will train our models off of it. Um, so just the fact that, you know, maybe I paste in some social security numbers. Well, uh, OpenAI hopefully has some safeguards, right, to potentially strip that out at some point. But now the the large language model, let's remove any, you know, safety measures that they may have. Now the large language model is training off of Chase and Mel's social security numbers. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, next version comes out and uh, uh, Randall says, hey, what is Chase's social security number? 
Well, it knows it, right? And it types it and it puts it in there. And now anybody that asks, hey, do you have any social security numbers? It's going to paste or it's going to type in Mel and Chase's social security numbers. Like, because it trained off of that. It knows that information. Uh, thankfully, OpenAI has a number of safeguards and rules, and you've probably seen these answers that pop up. It says, I'm sorry, but as an AI, I don't have access to da 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 Sure. And well, I, for the record, I don't know about you, I haven't been asking it for a bunch of social security numbers. Can't speak for Chase. but <laughs> Just give me all the social security numbers so I can open a bunch of credit cards. Again, anything that can be used for good can be used for bad. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I'm wondering, too, I'd like to just kind of open this up around the free version, right? You go back to if you're not paying for it, you're the product. Mm. Somebody somewhere said that. Oh, absolutely. Along the line. Um, so would some of your recommend, recommendation be for anyone list, out there listening, would an additional safeguard be, you know what, I'm going to look into maybe what a paid version of this would cost if I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to put some policies at my company around it. it. Do you think it's better to go ahead and just pony up, pay well, the subscription fee? Here's here's the direct answer to that. We paid our own money to go figure out the answer before actually paying for anything. The lawyer on our end said that based on the way that OpenAI's policies are for paid accounts, now this isn't for ChatGPT, this isn't for uh, Anthropic or any of the other you know, uh, organizations out there specific to OpenAI, at least as of today, that if you use the API to access these models, that that data is yours and only yours. Anything you put through there is not stored by OpenAI. And we don't have to worry to an extent, right, that we're pasting in social security numbers. Now, you probably still shouldn't do that, but... Based on the way the policy is written, they are not storing that. Um, so if you're interested in utilizing these things, right, to potentially uh, paste in potentially uh, proprietary info or, you know, trade secrets or things like that, or really just in general having a good um, a sense of uh, not worry, right, but comfortableness. It's a peace of mind. Peace of mind. Yeah. Right. Do it through the API, and if you don't know how to access the API, well, I happen to know some people. You should send us an email. Yeah. So before we get off of that topic, if you are interested in, okay, that sounds great. What is it? What's that going to cost me? Um, I was actually surprised to learn how minimal, at least in in our initial stages, right? We're still just testing. Yeah. I asked Chase today. Um, hey. I've been I've been blowing up Open API with all my transcripts. How much how much money did I hit? You know how much usage? Big bucks, Mel. We're gonna have to talk about that in the budget meeting. Was it like a dollar and ninety eight cents? Dollar. I thought it was a dollar ninety two in one month, Mel. We're really gonna have to talk about that. And like I used many many multiple, I mean probably twenty or more transcripts, and generated the equivalent of three blogs, and. Yeah, you know, I mean, a dollar and ninety eight cents. Yeah. I think you spent more than that just driving to work today. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what's great about these things, though, and that's where some of the ethical concerns come in, right? From well, they're paying me to write content, right? And I just did it on ChatGPT, and it cost me a dollar, but they paid me a thousand bucks, right? That's where I feel like some of those ethical concerns come in that we were talking about, but from a you know, from a cost perspective, using the API is 
in theory, relatively inexpensive, depending on what you want to do. Um, if you want to pipe in tons of data into it, it does work on this idea of a token model, where basically take a four-letter word, and that ends up being three tokens. It's a little more complex than that, right? That ma- I, you know, math was not always my forte, but the math doesn't seem to add up there. No, no. Four, four letters, three tokens, and they charge you based off of tokens, depending on the model that you're using. The more complex or the better the model, the more expensive it is, right? So when we move some of our stuff over to the 4.0 model, things will get naturally more expensive. If you use the cheaper models, the faster models, things will remain relatively cheap. Where you have to be concerned is where you're typing in an an incredible amount of context, right? Like the summaries of your calls. If they're 15 minutes, you know, probably a little bit cheaper, if they're eight-hour, you know, training sessions, like that's probably going to be a lot of money. And then you do it a hundred times in a month. Well, now you're starting to spend some big bucks. Sure, but you look at again, kind of the the cost for maybe a full-time resource to develop. And again, we we are never talking in the context of ultimately eliminating the the staff person or right, like you're talking. Yeah, as you're saying, well, right. Mel, I pay you to write blogs, right. and you just went and did it in however many minutes. What are you doing with your time? Well, I think that's where a lot of some of the other headlines we've been looking at, right? That's where there's a lot of concern of like, well, this thing can do it for a dollar, but this person is asking me for you know twenty five dollars an hour. There's like the average business person is like, what? Well, same ish level of content or quality potentially, depending on who we're talking about, right? There's a lot of levers there, but I can pay a dollar or I can pay twenty five dollars. It's like my my wife and I went to the went to the websites for two different grocery stores. We put in the same stuff for delivery, and Tom Thumb was literally twelve dollars more for the same exact stuff. I mean, it's pretty obvious the direction that we're going to go, and for this AI versus human. Deal depending on the scenario that you're talking about, AI is always going to be, and I know I might get thrown under the bus here, but AI, depending on the scenario, is going to be way cheaper because the AI never sleeps, right? It just does exactly what you want it to do. Whereas human resources, we we want to eat, we want to drink, right? We need to go home and sleep. Um, we want raises, right? We want promotions, and there is a whole wealth of other individuals that are influencing us potentially to, you know, leave or check out or go to the next thing. So on the flip side, you have someone now that can do more with the time given. So you're not saying, well, come work for me for four hours and I'll let the AI do the rest. I do think that, so we're we're all under the, I want to do more, faster, better, and delivering on tight timelines. And sometimes, you know, we're, You've got people out there who are working with on very lean teams. Um, I do think that you can make the argument that you're making now around, well, now I can go do it cheaper with a tool. But the time that it took me to do that, I'm now able to do more of it. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think the hope and um, the direction that most people are going are thinking, at least this is what I'm thinking is, well, I'm gonna. I want to work forty hours a week. Maybe, maybe lower than that. Let's call it thirty. You know, whatever. I'll save ten hours, right? But I want to continue to work. I don't think anybody's out there is like I just want to sit around and literally do nothing all day. Maybe there are some folks, right? But what I think we're going to end up seeing is people are going to um, 
come in in that 30 to 40 hour mark and they're just going to naturally increase their productivity, right? I don't see these, um, these tools coming in and just making your job so easy that you can do 40 hours of work within one hour, right? I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to work 30 or 40 hours and this tool is going to help you make it seem like you did 80 hours of work. Um, it's, it's more of like, think on the happy side of it, right? Rather than somebody trying to overutilize this to make them look, you know, like they're doing 40 hours of work, but they're sitting at home, you know, drinking some beer. Sure. All right. Hot take. So do you think businesses should bear legal liability for the actions of AI systems or is the responsibility with the developers, the manufacturers? This, this goes to... Um, this goes to the idea, right, that Tesla or any of the other car manufacturers that are developing um, these uh, self-driving vehicles, right? Are they the ones liable or is the person that is driving the car liable? Mm. I don't know. You tell me. That's Mr. a really... Mr. Chase, who that, owns a Tesla. That's a really <laughs> tough question, right? Because it's like, well, let's say it did something wrong and all I was doing was sitting in the seat, right? And it decided to run into a wall. Well, I didn't drive it into the wall, you know, in this perfect scenario. And in that, I think the the people that wrote the software, right, are still liable. They're the ones that programmed it unintentionally to run it into a wall. If I was the one that put it on in the direction, right, or I steered it into the wall, well, now I am responsible. Which For, at this point, there are audit trails or audit logs of those things, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Right. And it's the same for the AI piece, right? It's like, well, are you responsible? Mel, are you responsible for what people do that are underneath you, right? As a as a if you're a business owner, are you responsible for your employees and what they do? Well, absolutely. That's why we have liability insurance, right? And it's I don't think this is any different. Where you where you go to like the self-driving versus the person driving, I think I just don't see a ton of issues where this large language model is going to like connect to the internet and spill the beans. I mean, sure, it's possible, but if you're using the API, your your team, right, or you are the one that is coding it to do something very specific. And so I think that liability still, you know, relies on, or not relies, but still lays on, on you and your team um, for doing whatever it is they do, you know, the open AI isn't the one that's copying and pasting social security numbers in. You know, that's your team doing it. So kind of wrapping wrapping up this topic on AI ethics and responsibility, some of the things that we've done here internally is initially we had a, hey, until we know how to best utilize it, it professionally within the work setting, um, you know, let's let's put a hold on on use. Since then, we have opened up the conversation. You actually led a really awesome lunch and learn with the team. Uh, there was a lot of great feedback, and you know, you could tell that we have members of the team who are really excited about this kind of technology. And one of the things that we've been talking about is actually putting together a committee and having. And I think that depending on the size of your company and where you're at, um, I'm I'm a big fan of opening it up to people who are excited about it, who are kind of on the bleeding edge versus just mandating, well, you're a senior leader, it's now your job. But I would recommend open the conversation, 
consider putting together a committee and then figuring out what do what is ethical today AI aside in your industry um, on in the best interest of your customers, your partners, and your team members, and start there. Yeah, right? start putting that stuff together, that structure together. Do your due diligence, right? Like take time to figure out. You don't want to throw your business, your process, your department, your team under the bus simply because you didn't take enough time to figure out, hey, how should I do this? What is the best way to do this? We don't you don't go out and buy a car just on a you know, on a whim. Let me spend, you know, sixty grand boom and I haven't even test driven the car. Or sure. I never got in it. Or I don't even know what it looks like. Like if you do your due diligence, you're gonna be in a good spot. All right. Well, as always, we are interested in hearing from our listeners. What is your take? Have you implemented an AI regulation or policy at your company? If not, um, what are the concerns you have? What other questions do you have that we didn't talk about today? Or did you mess up, right? Did your team mess up? Tell us what went wrong yeah. and tell us how we should be thinking about these things. Absolutely. Email us your take at thejunction at bentechnology.com. Until then, keep it automated. <laughs>